Welcome to Stokes County Boys, a podcast in which two friends discuss the place and things that made them who they are and who they're not. As always, you're joined by me, Philip, and my good friend, Patrick. Patrick, what's happening, buddy? Hey, nothing at all, Philip. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, we got a special guest today, and we're going to ask him some questions because, Patrick, if you remember in the first episode, in the very early episodes, I was looking at the Wikipedia page for King, North Carolina, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of information on there. One of the things that kind of annoyed me was it just mentioned two parks and a Walmart. And I was like, there's got to be a little bit more. And so we're going to find out about that today, Patrick. It's kind of the journey we're on. But, um, you know, we had to find the person that wrote the book on the town, and we found him. He's an Emmy-winning broadcast journalist anchor at Fox 8 WGHP. It's Chad Tucker. Chad, how's it going? Good, good. I appreciate y'all having me. It's good to talk with some fellow kingalings, as we call us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, man. Well, yeah. And so, as I mentioned, uh, one thing we realized is uh, we were talking about, I was, I, I, when we were talking about this, I was like, there's that book. There were those books on like King and Stokes County. And Patrick actually found it in his house. He had one. And then I realized, oh, it was written by Chad Tucker. And then um, I was like, okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And so luckily, we know, you know, we're connected through friend of the show, Justin Bulla, who we had talking when we did an episode on the Lawson family, mm-hmm. because it's one thing you have to talk about when, you, when you're talking about Stokes County. It's kind of the biggest thing to come out of there. Absolutely, yeah. But, um, but it's great. And we're, we're happy to have you with us. And yeah, I'm glad to be here. Anytime I get a chance to talk about, you know, local history and where I come from. I love it because uh, it's a special place. It really is. And um, I think it, uh, we're very lucky to have grown up in a small community like that and it's rich history. And um, so anytime I get a chance to talk about it, people want to listen, uh, I'll sign up. So (laughs) whenever we're able to talk to somebody that, that has that Stokes County connection, it's always, (laughs) You know, it, it reminds me of the, the end scene of uh, Inception where they're on the plane just making eye contact. They, they don't even have to talk. They get it. They get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was being interviewed or I was interviewing a guy today and uh, with Piedmont Land Conservancy. And he said, uh, I asked him a question. He said, you're from around here, aren't you? <laughs> I said, yes, I am. You can tell it in my voice. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because I was just listening to a. A podcast and and I just heard it and you know you're just like hmm I wonder where that person's from it turns out you know they're from Mount Airy and that's where my parents are and I was like mm-hmm, that's right there you go but, yeah. there you go <laughs> but uh, yeah I was looking at your your bio on the on the WGHP site and it mentioned that you started radio announcing at the age of twelve for an AM station I did how, how did that happen how did that happen well I remember um, very young watching television we only had three channels and if the president was on your night was screwed um yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i remember that um and i remember watching the news with my mom and i and i loved the aspect of it and i um i loved every element of it and how the fact that somebody could be live somewhere and could be telling you what's going on and i i was probably a seven or eight and just was actually i would run in I'd be outside playing with my friends and they'd be like, where are you going? I was like, it's, it's time for the news to come on. And they'd be like, you're doing what? (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was the one out there. I knew exactly where to turn the antenna and everything to pull in because I would split the channels. I was just intrigued by it. And um, so what I did was I called around to a lot of the TV stations when I was young and asked, like, how did they get into it? And a lot of them got in it uh, starting in radio. And so I, I said, well, is there a radio station nearby? And my mom said, well, there's WKTE in King. I had no idea about WKG and King. And so I called them up and uh, asked them if I could come over there and just kind of hang out and see what I could learn. And by this time I was probably about 11. And uh, I remember the general manager let me come over and hang out one summer. Um, just kind of learned the, you know, what they do and just watch. And before I knew it, I kind of learned how to work the soundboard. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. the turntables, they actually had turntables then too. Nice. And if you didn't set it on the right speed, the song would <laughs> happen. Oh, yeah. You'd have the, the chipmunks <laughs> doing, uh, so, yeah, doing a song. And so before I knew it, um, you know, one day somebody called in sick and they needed somebody to fill in. And I was 12 years old and they said, can you run the board? You don't have to speak. It's an afternoon of programs. And I was like, sure. And that's how I landed a job. What was the format of that station? So it then it was... Uh, Kind of a country bluegrass gospel, very southern uh, gospel yeah. music. Um, so they would play country during the week. Saturday mornings, they'd have a bluegrass show. Sundays, it would have a lot of live preaching. And it was kind of interesting because um, you don't see a lot of that anymore, but they would actually have yeah. preachers come into the studio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And preach Interesting. Uh, live. And um, so it wasn't that difficult to, to put them on. It was literally a switch. And you have recording sports. So here I was 12 years old. My voice hadn't even changed yet. You know, so, <laughs> so I didn't have to worry about that. So I just kind of like, I would work weekends basically and just push, okay, and run the board. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. I learned to read the paper really intensely because the studio was set up where the preachers would preach in the, the studio looking right at you. And so when they would get wound up, they'd be looking at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then be preaching toward me, and I'd be like, "Okay, let me uh, find something." To read. Yeah, yeah. So it was awesome. fun. I enjoyed it, and then that grew. And as I got older, I, um, you know, my voice got deeper, and I kind of learned from the other DJs there. You know how the the key was. I think they always told me just smile when you talk, and people can hear your smile. So, um, you know, I just and I had to realized that uh, I have a very deep, thick little Southern accent back then. I had to work on it a little bit. I didn't really want to get rid of my accent, but yeah, yeah. clean it up. And right, right, right. So, because um, that's helped me in, in my profession. Uh, people can relate to you more if you don't mm -hmm. like them. Um, so I just had to learn how to clean it up a little bit. And um, I mean, I would say words that I didn't even know was wrong. I would say, wasn't that Purdy song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, Chad, what's wrong with that? What? <laughs> no, exactly. I'd have nothing wrong with you. But everybody's like, don't say pretty. <laughs> I learned quick. But anyway, I was young. And my, my my grandma, my paternal grandmother, it it's a thing at Christmas. If somebody gets like a nice sweat or something, she'll she'll accentuate that P U R D Y. Yeah. She'll be, oh, that's purity. <laughs> you know, in <isn't> it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, so I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, you know, 
That, uh, that was one word I remember sticking out because somebody called and told me it's not pretty. It's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And I was like, I didn't think anybody was listening. Yes, people were listening. <laughs> Chad, it sounds like uh, it sounds like you've had an interest in, you know, whether it's broadcast journalism or just journalism in general from a really young age. Now, you, you wrote, uh, if we're not mistaken, you wrote for the King Times News when you're in high school. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, when I would call the anchors at the local TV station, that's how they got into it. Most of them they got into radio. And then some said they started dabbling in newspaper a little bit. So I was trying to get the broadcasting down uh, while I was in school working at the radio station. And then I knew I had to get the journalism kind of part. And the only close paper to me at the time was the former King Times News. And so uh, I called them up. Same thing. I called them up and asked them if I could come and follow them around, watch what they do. Um, at this time I was probably about, I was probably at least, I think I was driving then. Yeah, I was driving then. So I had to be 16 and, um, I would go over there and I would, you know, see how they laid out the paper, like old school, like they literally laid it all out and, uh, how they developed their own photographs back then. I mean, this was like early nineties, so midnight, so, you know, um, and so, you know, it was fascinating that I would I went I remember going to some school board meetings with the reporter at the time and, you know, seeing how he gathered the news. And and then I started writing my own column in the paper and um, just kind of like the stuff the kids were going through that day, the things going on in the community. Um, and, you know, I would give it to him and he would give me some advice and clean them up a little bit and kind of just learn. And after a while, I started publishing them. And so I did that through high school. And uh, so I did that and the radio station. Um, once I got into like, uh, see, junior, senior year, I scaled back the radio because I was just so busy in high school, but I continued with the newspaper. Do you remember any articles that you wrote that really stand out to you? Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about turn of the century articles a little bit and how they would talk about people just, oh, so-and-so went to visit whoever. And do you remember anything that you wrote that you just you look back and smile about now? I remember having to ask uh, the superintendent one time. <laughs> so I'm like, it was kind of hard questions. Uh, and he, you know, here I was a student asking him, and I can't even remember the topic. It was something about um, cut the, some of the budget cuts or something like that, or or the cutbacks to certain funding of things. And um, but he was so polite about it. It was uh, uh, Robert Carroll, not Robert Carroll. I apologize. It was a uh, Dr. Carroll. Uh, he he uh, was very polite about it, I and mean, he he. I think he, he, he answered the questions and he, um, you know, he, he gave me a chance, <laughs> so, but it was kind of, that stuck out to me and I always remember that one because it was kind of like the first time, like when I had to like, you know, a little uncomfortable asking, you know, some tough questions in the sense and it's coming from a kid. I, Cause that's really what I was as a kid trying to write an article. And, um, uh, but Ron Carroll was uh, gracious, and uh, and I'll never forget that. And uh, I remember him calling me after the my column was printed, and he said, "Did a great job, did a great job." He told both sides, and uh, so I thought that was really good. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Now it's funny you say that. I, I, it reminded me of uh, Patrick. Used to, there was like a for a short period there was this like teen page insert at the Winston Salem Journal and Patrick I remember one time he got an album review it was a Blur album like some Blur CD I forget which one and and he got it ahead of time and we were listening to it in his car before he wrote his album review I remember that 
there was a couple other things. I think I have a couple of those. Patrick, I, I was somewhere. really hoping you would forget because, you know, looking back now, I was like, <laughs> Lord, I, I sound like a teenager that's just whining about how it should have, like that particular thing, that Blur album was not as good as their first, Philip. And I was upset yeah, about right. it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was a fair review. It was a fair review. It was it was mediocre yes. at best. Wow, cool. You got to write for them. That's cool. Yeah. When I when I was uh when I was working at the King Town, that was the you know the star if you could write for the journal. Yeah, you already yeah. doing that. There you go. They yeah, it was a very short thing. It was like a, a separate section, but I don't know what happened. It was very short lived. By the time I was like a senior or something, I don't think they were even doing it anymore. By the time you graduated, Patrick. Well, I know they did it for for at least two years. I okay. believe that the person that was in charge of it uh, got a new job and moved, oh, and I think okay. it was just kind of discontinued yeah, after that. Yeah. But you know, you know, Chad, listening to your stories about you reaching out to whether it's King Times News or you know WKTE, whatever. Like, I feel like you know, just my own opinion. It, I, I feel like I got so much from my experience. Yeah, just having my toe in this and seeing how. You know, even beyond, or like you were saying, just even enunciating pretty instead of pretty, that it makes a difference. And and you have to find that balance between being who you are relating versus, hey, you still have to, you know, play a little bit of the media game. And so, you know, I, I wish I wish that there were more opportunities like that out there even now. And I'm sure there are, you know, this day and age with all the technology, you know, I'm sure that there's there's things out there for people to get their toe into that. But you know, it, it really was a great experience. I'm really envious when I go to uh, schools uh, and they have like little TV stations set up. I mean, like they're doing mm -hmm. these broadcasts, um, with, yeah. you know, their own newscasts and all that. We didn't have that when I went south, um, but I'm really envious. I'm like, gosh, if they had this when I was in school, I would eat this up. <laughs> I would have been running. This yeah. But I, when I was at south, I um, I would do the announcements in the morning and the afternoon. and I. Uh, I remember asking um, Mr. Booth, uh, John Booth, if I could, um, you know, make it sound more like a broadcast news kind of a thing. And, I, and so he said, sure, it's your, you know, it's your announcements. So I, I did every morning. I'd be like, good morning, Saras. Here's your yeah, daily, yeah. Uh, your daily news. <laughs> I would go through the announcements. <laughs> um, everybody jokes that that's where I really got my start in broadcast mm -hmm. news. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it's it's doing those repetitions. It's doing that practice. So you're you're getting your um your practice in before. Well, also as a high school teacher, if you can if you can get up in front, even if it's behind a microphone, if you can speak to a thousand or plus high schoolers, you're 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 gold. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> yeah, I have a quick question. You were talking about the King Times News. Were you working there um, in high school when? Um, Turgliaferro was running it. Yeah, Tur Turgliaferro. He's the one who gave me okay. my first job there. All yeah. right, awesome. Because we talked to Chris, his son. Yeah, who's a voice actor. Yeah, yeah. So we um, talked to him um, a few, couple months ago, maybe in November or something, about you know what he was up to. So it, it's kind of funny how that, that connection's there. But yeah, I, I think his, they live in Florida now, and his wife yeah, sent us yeah. a card for our daughter. And um Oh wow, yeah, that's awesome! So it's uh, we still stay in touch, but yeah, he gave me my first newspaper job. Okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, that's awesome. So you wrote the book on King and Stokes County. You have these, um, and and it's kind of a series because when I go in the Walgreens, there's like the Chapel Hill and Durham versions that are for sale, and it's it's all these kind of small uh, communities and towns. They have like 
these uh, history books and they have these awesome just old photos and things. And how, how did you get involved in that project? Well, when I was in, um, let's see, I was in the high school at South and um, I would, I, I created a friendship with uh, Miss Ferguson, who was the secretary for many years at South Stokes. She may have been gone by the time y'all got there. Um, I retired. Um, but she was big into the Stokes County Historical Society. And um, I remember I had a project one time, a school project, and I needed some old photographs. And <clears throat> he put me in touch with Mr. Duncan, who's now passed over in uh, Germanton, and uh, who had collected photographs over his lifetime. And a lot of the photographs you see in like the historical um, society books, those were his. And um, so I went and I'll never forget going down into his basement and it was like a treasure chest of just photographs, historic images. And he just pull them out and tell you everything about them between him and uh, Robert Carroll, uh, who was a, a very um, talented in his own right, local historian who both these guys just did so much research in their free time. It was a hobby that they passionately loved and did so much for preservation. Um, I think they were just doing it because they enjoyed it. But in the end of it all, they did so much of preserving Stokes County's history um, and the stories of the people over the years. And um, so that kind of is what started with the photographs. I just found photographs to be, um, there's just something about old photographs that tell you the whole story, I feel like, because you can see, not only what the buildings were like or the old cars or whatever, but the, you can see in the people's faces, they tell you, you know, before people were smiling in photographs, it kind of can, you could date it that way. You could date it by the cars. You could, you know, see how hard people were living. You could tell by the clothes they were wearing. And it just tells you so more that nobody could put into words. And so I just always loved old photographs. And so when, um, uh, Miss Ferguson said, you should come to a historical society meeting. And I'm sort of thinking, okay, a high schooler is going to go to a historical society meeting. All right. But I agreed. I went with her and because um, she was part of the historical society and I met her at South and I rode with her there uh, and I fell in love with it. I mean, because they would have these programs where they would talk about, you know, this event and what this building actually used to be. And, you know, it was, it was history in your backyard, you know, you, sitting in classroom and you're learning history across the United States and around the world, but rarely do you learn about the history in your backyard. And um, I just, I guess, cause you could connect with that because you could see. And so I just kind of ate that up. And then I always, I started like trying to collect photographs and things like that. And then I just um, thought to myself, okay, one day I'm going to put a book together. And then I came across that series as well when I was in college in East Carolina and I thought, this is perfect. This is what I need to do. Um, so when I move back home, it's going to be one of my goals. And so when I moved back home and took a job at Fox 8, after I graduated from ECU, I worked for a couple of years down east at a CBS station. And then when I came back home, I, it was one of my, my plans. And so I contacted the publisher and uh, they put me under a deadline. <laughs> and so I had to get it done. There you go. Had yeah. to get it done. And um, it took about a year on each book. I did two books. Okay. I started with yeah. the Stokes County book. Um, it took me about a year and the, the majority of the work was in just gathering the images. That was the hardest part. And mm -hmm. this was before, you know, smartphones and Facebook. I did so much calling and calling and 
you know, I'd go visit somebody and I literally would take a scanner with me because people, yeah. and rightly so, they if they had a lot of old photographs, you know, I wouldn't trust the, you know, hand them out to somebody and say, I'll bring them back. No. So to build that trust, I would take uh, my laptop and my scanner with me and I would set it up on their kitchen table and they'd bring photos and I'd look through them and look through them and I'd try to find um, images that would help tell the story. Uh, you know, if, if it was a farming or agriculture photos, I always grabbed those up and scanned those. Um, if it was uh, images that you may, it may have been the subject may have been two people standing in the street, but the, the history in it could have been the buildings behind it. It gives you a glimpse of downtown Walnut Cove or, you know, downtown King during that period. And then I would scan those images and I would try to find out everything I could about each image and document each one. And uh, so that took about a year. And, you know, they would say, you should call so-and-so. They got a lot of photographs. Uh, right, you know, right, right. And then they're like, no, I don't got a lot of photographs, but you should call so-and-so. <laughs> so that's, I spent a lot of time doing that. And, you know, then after the book's published, you get a lot of phone calls like, I've got this and this. Yeah, that's how I ended up doing the key. You can book. write that one <laughs> because I had all these yeah. people call me up and be like, "Oh, I've got uh, okay, I've got so many images of this and this, and I had a lot left over from King." And I was like, "Okay, take a breather, and then in a couple of years, I'll do the King book." That's what I did. So. Stokes County Boys is brought to you in part by Bull City Bows and Ties. Gussy up your puppy with these easy to attach fashion collar accessories. Your kitty will be sitting pretty in these handsome bows and ties. So go to etsy.com slash shop slash bull city bows and ties to see over 50 styles and patterns founder and ceo is vet technician by day pet fashion icon by night independently owned and operated bull city bows and ties can be found on facebook or etsy shop once again etsy.com slash shop slash bull city bows and ties bull city bows and ties tell them the stokes county boys sent you Uh, Chad, speaking of that King book, I'm, I'm looking at a picture right now that's in uh, of downtown King from uh, 1935. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I I look at this and I immediately am taken back to my teenage years when it you get rid of the cars, it almost looks the same. It's, you know, <laughs> you pave it, make, you know, this is, this is King. And I love this. It just, it captures King and, and that small town environment so well. Um, so obviously things change over time, of course, but, you know, Dario's we look at like, now. We, we look at, you know, Dario's expanded. <laughs> we, we've got, you know, Bojangles came in, Walmart as the Wikipedia page, you know, we, in this day that and cookout, age. That cookout came oh, over cookout. the summer too. Cookout, that's, and yeah, that's a big down deal. the street the night that opened. <laughs> oh, you know it. In this day and age with, where, where there's so many corporations and expansion and, and all that, how do places like King or Walnut Cove or Danbury, how do places still maintain that strong small town mom and pop environment that we we grew up and love yeah i think it, it just comes down to um you know these they were once farming communities and as winston-salem grew they just basically have become suburbs i mean bedroom communities these are where people sleep at night and they you know drive into work um but i didn't see that changing now i mean we're seeing more and more people who are just wanting to get out of the city and they can work from home. And so uh, you're seeing that more. But I think 
I think a lot of it comes down to people were looking for that when they moved out there. I mean, and it's not, it's not been that long ago. I mean, I'm in my early forties. I know, <laughs> but it's, it's not been that long. I can remember when there was one stop fight in town and it was right there in downtown. And that's just in my lifetime. Um, you know, and I can remember when you drive out to a very young age, I remember there being fields out there by the highway, uh, by Highway 52. And then I remember it was a big deal when Hardy's came. It was a big deal. <laughs> we were moving up. We're gonna, people were going to get off the highway into our town to get something to eat now. Um, and so when, <laughs> when the, and I remember the newspaper, when Burger King came, Burger King comes to King was the headline it was just it was big news because you know here we were a, a rural tobacco farming community uh transitioning into a suburb and uh, the people that were moving in uh fortis was a big builder of neighborhoods a lot of the neighborhoods in the community were built by them and so when people were looking for you know less, you know less taxes and uh, more of a small town feel it was a perfect spot you know, you raise your kids there and uh, it wasn't a community that was going to grow up that much with industry and stuff, but more of um, residential. Yep. We were, in, we were in high school when the Wendy's opened. That was, that was fun. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the Taco Bell. We got those stories. So the, when the Wendy's opened, that's when we had that snow that kept us out for a couple yes. of weeks. Yes. And so that place was bumping every single as, as you all know, day, every day. The northern part kept, you know, the icy roads remained, and we were able down in King to move about freely, and we were we were hitting up that we were hitting up that new Wendy's. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> ever believed me when I was in college. I would be like, "Yes, we always prayed that you know, the snow in the northern part of the county kept us out for the longest time." Right. <laughs> We'd be out and for weeks. <laughs> it was like right after it was like two straight weeks and it was right after the, the winter break too. Yeah. So we had only like been in our, our spring semester classes maybe two weeks or something like that. Oh, it was less and, than that, Philip. Because oh, you know, it? it started with a whisper. It, somebody said it was snowing <laughs> in Pinnacle. There we and go. Then, <laughs> and there the world go. shut down. There you go. I said that on the news one time. I said because uh, I was in Pinnacle and it was snow was coming. And uh, I said, you know, if you're if you're if you've grown if you grew up in Stokes County and someone says it's snowing in Pinnacle, it's a big deal, <laughs> especially for the kids, because if it's snowing in Pinnacle, the entire school system shut down and people were just like, why is that? They don't. <laughs> and I was like, because it's the farthest eastern community and, you know, the, most of winter storms are coming from that way. And if it starts snowing in Pinnacle, they're going to close all the schools. So you're going home. So that was why everybody's like. Call and see if it's snowing in Pinnacle yet. It's snowing in Pinnacle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you're, not, if you're not from Stokes County, nobody knew that, and I, I, I made that mistake because I said on the news, and everybody's like, "What is he talking about?" But it, but if you are from it, everybody knows it. Everybody, everybody knows was, exactly what you're talking loved, about. Yeah, all the people from back home they loved it when I said that on the news that night. <laughs> I know we oh ask God, we great. ask. As we say, patron saint of the show, Andrew Voss. You know, he teaches middle school now. He's at Chestnut Grove still. And so I asked, I said, is that still a thing? And he's like, yes, it's still a thing. I was like, all right, good, yes. good. So it's, it, it endures. So, um, so Chad, <laughs> speaking of talking about stuff that people don't know what's going on, I, I can track like where people listen. So we got people all over the country that listen to this show. There's even people in different countries, right? The other day I saw, you know, a new country pop up 
Lebanon. So somebody in Beirut at least one time checked out our show. Ah. So, Chad, as our as our resident historian, what's something that you want people to know about Stokes County or King that have no idea about about the area, or or maybe we don't know. For a couple things, one, it's a very unique county in the sense that I mean, it has its own mountain range within the county. You know, we have our own mountain range right there in the county, um, the Sartown Mountains. So uh, that's unique in a sense. But I think what I think a lot of people overlook in the county and its history is the, um, the historical significance of it being home because you if you look at the history of the of many of the communities they're all named after homes most people don't realize that like the town of king is not named after charles king it's named after his home you know people started naming his home as a reference point in directions true for um you go up to Sandy Ridge. Sandy Ridge was named after a plantation. Pine Hall was named after a plantation. You get up into, um, you know, Francisco. And you know you're from Stokes County if you say Francisco correctly. It's Francisco, not Francisco. <laughs> but uh, the Francis family owned the company. <laughs> the Francis family owned the company store. And they had the post office in there. And that's why it's called Francisco. It's uh, short for that. So it's, it has this sense of, of, of home because a lot of the communities were named after homes. And um, I think that's unique about it. Uh, it makes it stand out. And uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of preserving our, um, the, the quality of life it has. Now, I think, you know, there's always room for improvement, but um, you know, that sense of community and small town feel uh, that people are looking for, I think even more now today, I think uh, we've done a really good job of preserving that. Is there anything um, in terms of like the history of the area that you feel maybe needs more research um, than has been done? Are there any, you know, I think they figured out the Payne Road mystery where you turn your key off on the bridge. I think they figured out the science behind that. But, you know, is there anything that, that you think needs to be more resolved or more research done into in, in the area? Okay, which one of you did that? <laughs> 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 I didn't. I, I didn't scared. either. I didn't either. But I've heard that story. I'm so too scared. <laughs> I've heard so many stories about that. Um, I think we need to know more about the first settlers being the, the Native Americans, the Sar Indians that mm -hmm. lived in yeah. um, in Stowe's County. I think we've done a. There's been good research done and completed on. Um, on some of the villages that they lived there along the banks of uh, Town Fort Creek and the Dan River. But I, there's just, I feel like there's so much more that's still left to be uncovered. Um, I love when you go into the um, Museum of History in Raleigh, as soon as you go in the main doors, right there on the left, the Sar woman greets you. And it's a, it's a bronze statue of the replica of, um, of, uh, a SAR girl, they think it was probably a young woman at, at that time. Um, and it's her height, her actual height. And you see you know, how short they were in that time and, and the, the wardrobe she wore and that they found with her when they, when they discovered, when archaeologists discovered her graves. I think the archaeologists were from uh, Wake Forest, a lot of the research up there. But I feel like there's so much more that we could learn about 
this group of ancestors that were, were the first to come into that area. And, you know, it's, um, I take great pride in the fact that, you know, I went to a high school that, you know, had that as their mascot. And I know we get into a lot of uh, issues in today where, you know, it's maybe not politically correct to have Native Americans as your mascot, but I feel like it's, it's an honor to them in the sense, if it weren't for the high school, a lot of people probably would not know about them. You know, we had to study about them in school and it's, you know, it's kind of one of those hard balances. Um, but I, I, when people say, what was your high school mascot? Or I tell them the home of the SAR is they're like the what? <laughs> it's like the SAR Indians. And then there's the whole debate of how do you pronounce that? <laughs> we would get into that. Um, so did you actually learn stuff about the SARAs? Because I was, we, we actually did an episode on that, Patrick and I talking about that. And, and I don't remember anything. Of course, I was only there two years, Patrick, three but we, we were not taught anything about, and, and we're not that far apart. It was just a few years. I was just curious. Yeah. In 11th grade, I remember, uh, Miss Warner, uh, our English teacher, she, she taught us, um, some of the history when we were, it was an assignment for us is to do a history, uh, uh paper, uh, mm-hmm. a local history paper. And she talked about the Sar Indians, used them as an example, um, and so we, and that ended up being my paper. I did more research and I, uh, John, um, uh, James Booth, um, who lived in, who lives in, um, I'm sorry, James Wilkes, who lives in, um, Jim Wilkes, excuse me. I'll get it right here in a minute. It's been a while since I was in high school. No, that's all good. <laughs> I'm, a man. I'm surprised you can recall those names like that, like you're doing. So, <laughs> so uh, he had, had done some research on the SARS. And so I uh, reached out to him and I learned a lot about, you know, the upper SAR village, SAR town village. There was a lower SAR town village. Um, you know, why they ended up in this area, why they, why they speculate they probably moved from the area, uh, went down to the Sheral uh, tribes, and then um, maybe even ended up down near with the, PD. Um, so I learned a lot about that. I mean, when you go to the South, I mean, it's just, that's your mascot, but I feel like Miss Warner really opened up the doors because she wanted us to know more about your mascot. Um, and so it became a, a lesson in that sense. That's absolutely great. I think that like, that should be part of the South Stokes curriculum. I think like, you know, cause like Philip was saying, when we were trying to, to recall we never really had anything like that, whether it was even presented to us. And so, you know, like hearing you say that really makes me happy and proud to hear that, you know, okay, yeah. the discussions have, you know, the, this isn't just a token symbol. This, these are people like, I really like to hear that, you know, at least one teacher out there was open in those. Doors. Absolutely. And, you know, I learned where they live, where they migrated to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She used a lot of the Wake Forest, um, she talked about a lot of the Wake Forest archaeology that was done. Um, and she had a lot of printouts because there's not a lot about them, really. They're just not. That's right. I feel like yeah. uh, it's such a disservice for us to um, not be able to share more of their history because their history is part of our history. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was a hard part about for the books because they were pictorial history books. And so, you know, really just the history of what I was able to put in the book really kind of started with the history of photography. So right. I tried to write in the intro as much as I could about the Sar Indians. Uh, you know, they right. kind of gave us the the Pilot Mountain name. You know, they mm. they used the name Jomioki. 
which meant the great guide. They used it as a guide. It was their map. It was their, you know, for how they moved about. And that became the pilot. Oh, wow. Oh, I see. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Mountain. We owe so much to those yeah. first settlers that come into the area. And, you know, they knew agriculture and they knew the great spots. And for whatever reason, they ended up leaving. Um, you know, they taught a lot of the early settlers, you know, a lot of, a lot about the land, you know, but uh, I wish we knew, we just knew more about them. I wish we knew, you know, there's um, a William Byrd and his history of the dividing line. He talks about um, meeting a friendly tribe, uh, the Saras. Um, and so really beyond that, there's not a lot of history written about them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I got a couple from a couple of questions from listeners, if you, if you don't mind. Okay. And then we'll wrap it up. But, um, uh, this is, uh, from, uh, Jonathan Carone, who I think still lives in the area. Uh, he said, what's one thing about Stokes County that people are shocked by when you tell them or surprised by? I think some people are surprised by, you know, our own mountain range. And then I think, mm -hmm. uh, some of the, the serial history, you know, getting into the Walson murder, people are always like, what? Yeah. yeah. You know, he's <laughs> like, yeah, that happened. Um, yeah. And that was a big battle for me too. And when I did the book was, you know, do I include that or not? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I did include it, uh, ended up deciding it was a part of the history as an unfortunate part of the history, but I did include it in just one page with uh, one photograph. Um, uh because also I didn't want people, people to come across thinking I was trying to sensationalize on that. And I wasn't, I was just trying to right. write history as, as much as I could. And, um, I, I, th I think there really just gets down to, you know, our, our, our landscape and, um, and the, the sense of home that it really has. Um, mm -hmm. when I wrote the Stowe's County book, I mean, I, I also know about, and you guys know this too about the rivals from different parts of the county, mm -hmm. um, and so and not even not even school rivals in a sense, just community rivals. You, oh my God, Chad! We lost against Southeastern Middle School in baseball <laughs> on, a, on a controversial call, and I cannot let that go. When I say we Chestnut Grove because yes. that's that's the we. But no, that, oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but no. you just hit it. You struck a nerve right no, there. I get, it. I get it. I so get it because they, they probably still talk about that. Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm sure. Yeah, I remember. I remember when we when we would play like a, I play basketball at Chestnut Grove and going into Southeastern to play them at Southeastern. It was just like I was. It was really intimidating because you're just like. We're here. This is this is war here. We're we're we got to win this game. It's it's the Carolina Duke yeah. of Stokes County. <laughs> it is. It is. And then and then a year later, we're on the same basketball team because you're at the same. You're at South Stokes and exactly. you're playing. You're playing together. And then it became the rival between South and the North. You know, you yeah, Stokes yeah. South Stokes and um, and then West Stokes when they when they added West Stokes, yeah, it, I, that became an issue. I remember one time and it was horrible. I feel I feel so horrible about now, but I remember like I don't know. It was like. A, pet team pep team or something like that a group they dressed very farm like for a game <laughs> and it was like a, kind of like being a you know an insult to the to north stokes with uh, you know a lot of farmer dress and stuff like that but then it wasn't like a but a game or two later south stokes got their own a taste of their own medicine when we went 
um that was a parkland i think or something like that and yeah. they were all dressed like farmers making yeah. fun of uh oh. you played the you played so the like, ones in salem team around so yeah but <laughs> i always tell <laughs> i always tell the story of people was like where are you from and i never forget when i'm starting television people want to know where i was from and i tell them they're like what's the craziest thing about you know growing up in a small town i was like it wasn't crazy it was great you know i was I, every morning i'd go to school and uh i'd run into miss Fer- mr ferguson's um uh cows on the carroll rose and that's, just, that's how i ended up getting to know miss carol miss uh, ferguson because i'd have to go in there and say i need to call mr carroll or mr ferguson his car his cows are out again they would be blocking the road <laughs> so that was your ride into school every morning um but yeah, <laughs> it's just the coolness of growing up. I mean, you don't get that in a, in a urban city. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, there's something that I always mention. It's a little less uh, elegant, but there's something I always mention that kind of throws people off when I tell them that the place I would, and this is uh, the place I would go rent movies was King video station and tanning. And they're always like, wait, what? They had tanning beds where you rented videos. I'm like, yeah. And not only that, if you went across the street, you had the competitor choice video in tanning. So there, there was two of them right across the street from one another. I think, isn't one of those still open? Not choice. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would love for it to be. I just watched that Netflix documentary, The Last Blockbuster, and it's talking about that there's one blockbuster remaining in the world, and it's like in Oregon. And uh, it just made me want to go to King Video Station in tanning. For, I the tanning you know. part is still there, though. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> Chad, we got a couple more questions for you. You again, really appreciate you being here. This is more of a, a less of a Stokes County and more of a personal question. Um, so you're a public figure who lives in the area which you work. How are you able to separate your public life from your private and family life when you're out in the community? Um, it, it was it's. One of my worst fears is when I would have to uh, be assigned a story back when I was doing general assignment and, you know, you, you would get the, the assignment and you ended up knowing somebody mm. that was the, mm-hmm. that was my biggest fear. And it happened one time and that's when I just had to pass the story off to someone else. Um, so that, that, that was the hardest part is, and then it's still, you know, I, I, I would do stories in the community and I got to the point where I, I didn't feel like I was um, could give people justice because I knew them so much more than a story, and so um, it it I really got a lot of anxiety when I would have to do stories on people that I knew, and they could be great stories. I remember one time my pastor at my church, growing up at Poplar Springs, he retired after forty five years of being a preacher there. And uh, Ralph Sproles was his name. And um, he's still with us and he's uh, still preaching uh, at a church up in Thompson. But um, I remember doing a story on him because you just don't hear about that. A preacher preaching for 45 years at the same church in the same community. Um, and I just remember having so much anxiety about that because I knew no matter what words I said, it would not give him justice for what he meant to the community. And this is true for so many other stories. My favorite story that I did, and it was, it weighed on me a very hard was um, Nancy Reynolds elementary school when they had to make that decision to tear it down mm. um, because I had a personal tie to that. Not that, 
not in the sense I couldn't do the story, but my mom, my dad, my grandparents uh, had all went to school there. And I'd heard these stories about Nancy Rose School and what it meant to the community because it was so much more than a school. It was like their community center, you know, for a rural area that doesn't have like a municipality or, you know, this was their their hub. And I knew how much it meant to them. And when they talked about tearing it down, I did stories on, you know, why some people wanted to save it, why some people felt like it needed to be replaced. And then um, the story I won an Emmy on um, was the story on the last day of Nancy Reynolds School, the very last day that the kids said goodbye to the school. And they opened up the doors to uh, the community and let them come walk the halls, you know, one last time. Yeah. And um, so that that's that's one of those where um, I still feel like to this day, if I, I go back and watch it, I'm like, oh, I could have. I could have, should have included this or should have done this, I, I, you know, but uh, getting back to your question, <laughs> sorry, I get off on a tangent because I could tell you so many great stories and there's still a lot of stories in the community that I would love to tell that uh, just haven't been able to get to do. And now I'll do more feature articles um, in the sense of, I don't really do the hard news anymore. Uh, I anchor the four o'clock news today. And then um, I do the old boys folk segment. Uh, yeah, that was been- yeah, that's pretty cool. You you carry on that legacy because I remember you know Roy doing that <laughs> growing up. You know, and Roy's still with us. He's uh, he re- just oh, that's great. He retired. He's in his early eighties, and he lives in Greenville, North Carolina now. Um, but um, his daughter lived down there, and so he lives near her. And um, so when he retired, they said, you know, we want to continue because people love those stories as much as mm-hmm. you know the media gets. You know, you know we we tell obviously the, the the sad side of the of our society but um we also especially local news we love to tell the the, the good side and people love those stories and so I, I was very honored to be able to continue that legacy of telling the stories of Royce folks so <laughs> but it is it is kind of difficult you know you get a lot of people who um getting back to your question uh patrick is wanting feeling like they know you to the point where they want you to do a story and they feel like you know He'll do the story for me because he knows me mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it's a hard balance and, and the people usually are very kind. Uh, I've never really had any issues, uh, but I've had to tell something, you know, that's not really a story. And I know it's a story to you, you know, it's kind of very hard. And, um, you know, and, and I always, and I, and I keep my word. I'll say, well, I'll mention it to the editors and see if they, they like it. Uh, I can't promise anything. So that's kind of hard. Um, but um community is great. I mean, you know, when our daughter was diagnosed with leukemia, it was that Stokes County community that was the first to come rush to our side. I mean, I was people who I did not talk to on a regular basis Mm -hmm. from back home were calling, checking on us, seeing what we needed, you know? Um, So that's been a beautiful thing in the sense that, um, you know, not a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, have a community like that. And um, I was very thankful for that. And, um, you know, the people I talk to on a regular basis, uh, they may not have called me as much. They may have kind of like backed up a, a bit. And, you know, but then there was the people from back home. I say the people from back home, but <laughs> they, um, they rushed to our side. They, you know, some had fundraisers, some had events, some did things to, to help other kids and um, they're going through the same thing. And uh, so uh, I've never really had an issue with it when I think about it. Um, 
I've just been very lucky uh, to be able to be a journalist in the community that I grew up in, to tell their stories uh, and try and do as best of a job as I can with it. Um, but I think probably the hardest balance, and it's probably true for most journalists, is um, not being too close to your story. And that's that's probably the hardest part is when you are close to the story and it could be a great story and you just don't feel like you could ever give them justice. Well, Chad, we've got a I know we have to wrap up here. I, I've got a completely loaded question for you because, you know, the being a public figure, I mean, you know, this this could make or break you here. Um, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. You know, Uh if you were to go back to Stokes County right now uh, and uh, ignore, <laughs> this sounds awful, ignore COVID, you know, <laughs> no, it, assuming COVID is done and whatever, everything's completely open and safe and fine, all that stuff. If you could go back to Stokes County right now and go to just one restaurant and have one meal, where would you go? What would you get? You know, I remember the tiny dining. If I could go back, it does it have to be there today? Because if I could no, go no, back no. and go back in history, it would go back to the tiny dining. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the thing is, I never really remember the meals, but I remember the kiosk out in the parking lot, which was the Dario. And that's mm -hmm. where you would go and get your dessert. Yeah. Um, yeah. People talk about Dario and I'm like, you know, that was just, that was where you went and you got your dessert out in the parking lot. The tiny Donnie was the restaurant, um, but I just um, I loved the tiny Donnie when I was a kid and loved going there and then going back out there and getting a milkshake and watching them make it right in front of you. Um, standing at that window, you know, watching it through the window, uh, I can still see it doing I, we, we, we did a lot with my grandfather and I can still see that. Um, but there's just something about, you know, about that environment, you know, you, yeah, yeah. The whole separate of that. And then there was another little restaurant that was up in um, 66. It's not there anymore. It was called M&R. Do I remember that? M&R? I don't think so. Yeah, it burned not, uh, about, probably about 10 years ago. Uh -huh. And it's still sitting there charred <laughs> out. And there, one time there was a <laughs> sign out there that said, we will rebuild when insurance pays. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. But I okay. remember going there and I guess it's not really the, the meals that I remember. It's the, um, experience I had with it. Um, I would go there every Saturday morning because my mother worked and my dad was a mechanic and every Saturday morning would take me and my brother, uh, my brother and I, uh, Justin to M and R and we'd have breakfast. Um, and so I remember the Saturday mornings in that restaurant, um, and I always ordered the same thing, a sausage biscuit and hash brown. And uh, for some reason, but the, it's probably more of the, just the experience than, than the actual food itself. I just miss that. I really do. Oh, hear you, hear you loud and clear there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I was thinking about that when you're talking about the Dario. And now, like, the Dario, they, they, the original building's gone, and they have this nice, big restaurant and you can go in there and have a lovely meal and they've got i mean the food is really good there and you still got all the ice cream and everything which is fun but i'm also at the same time i'm like i wish they had kept that little oh. crappy shack yeah. and maybe just built it somewhere else 
and just kept that little, yeah. I, even if they didn't even use it, I yeah. wish they just still had that little, with that little window with a screen there and they go. lift it up and hand you your ice cream and I, shut it back down. I got mad at Jeff's uh, speaks when uh, I heard that he was tearing <laughs> it down. And I, yeah. I called him. <laughs> and I shared my thoughts with him about, you cannot do this. And he explained to me that uh, they had had some termites issues. And so it was, you know, beyond really saving it. And so it was time. And, and then you I, said, so what? I know. So what? I was like, <laughs> can you, is there something you can save from it? Or, you know, and he's like, you know, we're going to try, we're going to incorporate the photographs of it into mm. the new building and you know then you know that kind of pulled me back off the ledge and so <laughs> but i did when i heard that i was All like right. that can't be true and i called him myself and and he, and he i appreciate the call oh, I'm, glad yeah. <laughs> i'm glad you at least try I mean, yeah. it's an iconic it's it's iconic especially if you grew up going to there i mean like for us in playing little league baseball after that first win, you get in the back of the coach's pickup truck and they speed you down there as you're hooting and hollering. And, what? you know, I, looking back now, I'm like, Lord, why did mom and dad let any of us do this? <laughs> but I have great memories right in the back of that pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's just, um, you know, things like that. I just wish uh, there was, you know, but he was very honest in the sense that he just couldn't save. But he he left the little spot out there where the original kiosk was. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's something about that simpler time when you didn't have a lot of worries. You got in the back of a pickup truck. You rode in the back of a pickup truck going down Mountain View Road. And uh, but um, that and probably um, hearing them tear they're going to have to tear that down. And then some of the farms being developed into neighborhoods are the two. <laughs> Um, I make phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, you can't do that to that farm. That farm's gorgeous. You can't. Even, but you know, it's just part it's, of, unfortunately, our, um, you know, the cycle of uh, our community, of all our communities. It's just we're, it's part of that cycle. You know. Um, yeah. That's yeah. one of my my things I, I I dread the most is when I see for sale signs go up on these farms now that aren't that are not being farmed anymore and the families you know you, you can't keep all this land and pay taxes on it and if you're not doing anything with it so i understand that but it's it's, it's so hard to watch those go yeah yeah well chad thanks so much for for coming on the show and talking with us and, and giving us me ramble <laughs> yeah no no you fit right in <laughs> yeah no that's what we do too so yeah i do appreciate it and uh, yeah, you take care, and and uh, we just we'll think about your family, and and you know even my mom, she gives me little updates on Roro from time to time, and I'm like, yeah, I have Instagram too, I, I see it too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, she's uh, yeah. she'll let me know, but uh, we appreciate it, and uh, it's good to see you, and uh, we hope to hope to cross paths again soon. Very good. Yes, thank you, Chad. Absolutely, anytime. <laughs>